Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman. Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day, is a negotiation. Ellis Hennigan. None of us have fallen for the notion that this is conservative. Amani Wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles. That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. I want to talk about the FBI, which has been in the news quite a bit lately. And there was a report, a recent report from the New York Times that detailed how the Federal Bureau of Investigation conducted illegal surveillance without warrants on Americans during the January 6th riot and in the lead up to that, and also during the George Floyd riots. So you've got them going after the right and left here. So the article says, quote, FBI analysts improperly used a warrantless surveillance program to search for information about hundreds of Americans who came under scrutiny in connection with two politically charged episodes of civil unrest. And so we're talking about J6. We're talking about the George Floyd riot. They're not supposed to be able to do this, but they use Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, otherwise known as FISA. So this should have been a more explosive report than it was, but it wasn't. But over the years, there have been other instances of the FBI using informants to illegally spy on people and also even to try to prod them into committing crimes so that the FBI could arrest them. There was a report from The Intercept that detailed how they had an informant in some of these Black Lives Matter groups. Now, mind you, I'm not talking about rioters. I'm talking about people who were just protesting. Um, they've also done it with people on the right as far like like with the plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. The FBI was came under scrutiny because one of its informants was trying to prod them along in the past. They've done this with Muslims trying to get them to commit an act of Islamic terrorism again so that the FBI could arrest them. My main point about this is that everything has become so politicized. Everybody knows that the FBI is corrupt and has been from its inception. Yes, there are good people that work with the FBI. I'm not painting them all with the same brush, but as an institution, it has been very much uh, uh, corrupt. But the problem is that people only care when it happens to someone on their side. So Republicans are out there saying, oh, we need to defund the FBI, abolish the FBI. The only reason they're saying that is because it targeted Donald Trump and, and, and a bunch of other people. But then if, even on the other side, if it attacks somebody that they like, then they want to do away with the FBI or they want to make some type of reform. The problem is that the FBI keeps getting away with this stuff because it knows that only half of the country is going to care. If it's caught engaging in corruption, which I think it's is a huge problem. Now, you guys probably won't be as radical as I am because I would like to abolish the FBI and not replace it at the federal level. But that's OK. You don't you won't agree with me on that. But I think we can all agree that this is a problem. I mean, if the FBI is allowed to do this, then and, and we only care when when uh, based on uh, partisan leanings, how are we going to solve this problem? What, what do you think, Ellis? Well, I, I share your your disgust at the partisan leaning part. I mean, it really is true that very few people today are able to look beyond their own immediate political self self interest. But but I think I have a less bleak view of the FBI than you do. Um, yes, of course, it's a huge, sprawling organization with a tremendous amount of power. So it is going. There will be individuals in there who will abuse it. 
But at the same time, it's truly the premier law enforcement organization in America. They do a tremendous amount of extremely high quality work. They are our main protection against terrorists, against um, violent political extremists, against money launderers, financial crime, uh, uh, miscreants and, and a whole bunch of other threats to our way of life that aren't local or even or even living within state boundaries. These things really are national and, and increasingly international. And so so we need a, a, a high quality, well-trained, well-teched organization to be a, a law enforcement organization in this country. And thankfully, we have some tools to root out these abuses that I, that, that you, I think, articulately describe, for instance, um, anytime the FBI uh, gathers evidence in a way that's not justified, it gets thrown out of court. There can be sanctions and other uh, other ways of disciplining those agents who do it. You got to stay on top of them all the time. There are there are civil penalties you can get if your rights are violated by an organization like that. None of that stuff is perfect and it doesn't catch everything. But boy, it scares me a whole lot more when I hear these yahoos saying we ought to we ought to get rid of the entire organization because they were mean to my buddies on January 6th. Um, I'd, I'd try to mend it more than end it, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, as one of those yahoos, I mean, not just about J6, it's just about about you made a more intelligent everybody. argument than those guys do, by the way. <laughs> He's Yahoo Plus. No, I know what you mean. And, and, and even with my radical stance, I understand your point, because what regardless of what we do with the FBI, there's going to have to be something that addresses those issues that you that you brought up, terrorism and, and things like that. What do you think, Amani? Am I being too harsh on the FBI or not um, harsh you're enough? Not being too harsh. Like, I, again, I'm not, I ain't all the way there with you, but I hear you. <laughs> I definitely hear you. And I think mm-hmm. the same issues that we see in the FBI are the same systematic issues that we see in law enforcement, period. Like, you get people who enter law enforcement and their agenda isn't to protect and serve. They got a whole nother agenda. They got a whole bunch of other stuff they're getting in there trying to do. And some people let that pure power get to their head and that shield mm-hmm. of being a, an officer go to their brains and start having them do things that aren't OK. And then, like you're saying, yes, the FBI has been used politically for a long time. If y'all look into the stuff that they was doing during the civil rights era, it'll make your stomach turn. I'm telling you. So I hear you on that. I mean, assassinations, all type of stuff was going on back then. It was very nasty. So I definitely hear you. Um, but again, I'm not an anarchist. So we need somebody to kind of come and regulate things. But um, do we always have the best people who are applying for this type of work? Because you kind of have to think of the state of mind that it takes to be somebody that wants to take a role like this. You have some very duty bound people and some of those people are duty bound for the right reasons. Some of those people are there for the power and the control. And we need to make sure that we figure out a way to kind of weed out the people who are there to do the job the right way and for the right reasons um, instead of the people who are there to just start letting their own political agenda or whatever thing that has driven them to move outside the guise of their actual job. Um, We need to be able to figure out a way to separate those two type of people. Yeah, I mean, it, I think Ellis and, uh, and Imani, I'm, I'm very much where they are in the sense that on the one hand, I absolutely agree with you, Ellis. The FBI does some outstanding work. I mean, genuinely outstanding work. It is the premier law enforcement agency in the world, let alone in the nation. Uh, and they do things that 
no state and local law enforcement officers can do. Um, good friends with a lot of cops who go to the FBI Academy and get their training. And they say it's basically, you know, it's career changing kind of stuff that they learn. They perform services with interstate crime and crimes of the sorts that, you know, locals don't have the uh, the ability to really prosecute. They're invaluable resources when you're working on certain kinds of crime. I mean, yes, very, very good. On the other hand, I mean, what do we say uh, about other countries where we hear about the state police doing something. That sentence never ends with good consequences, right? There's always something awful that they're doing. Are we as bad as other, you know, repressive nations with the FBI? No, on the scale, we're nowhere close to the worst end of it, but there are clearly abuses and they are clearly being used at times for political uh, purposes. There's not enough internal correction and control for the kinds of things historically, like Amani says. I mean, you've got what the FBI is infiltrating churches now to find out if there's, you know, white domestic religious terrorists. That's that's insane that even the FBI director said he, he or the, I forget it was the FBI director, whether it was uh, the AG said they didn't even know that stuff was happening. You know, that's crazy. How can that be happening in a country like ours? So. Somehow this weird mixture of a large entity with people who are great, people who are good and people who are awful and vetting the good ones and preventing the bad ones and establishing controls enough that the abuses can't take place or when they do, they get punished out. I'm with you. I don't want to abolish the FBI, but I definitely see the need for reform. So that leads me to my next question, and I'll throw this out to anybody. And I'll just give you some numbers really quick. Uh, a recent report suggests that the FBI in 2020 and 2021 had millions, millions with an M, instances where they spied on people without warrants. And again, this is only a small part of the abuse that this entity ha has done. So I understand it. Not, not everybody's as radical as I am, but I hear people saying reform the FBI, reform the FBI. We've been saying it for years and it's still corrupt. Now, to be fair, I will say that the number of of illegal surveillance went down in 2022. That's good, but it still happened 120,000 times. So when we talk about re reforming the FBI, what does that look like? How do we minimize this stuff as much as possible? You know, maybe use the tools you got, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the most powerful tool against law enforcement is that when they do stuff bad, they can't use it against you, right? It gets thrown out of court. They get to be sanctions. They get to be, now you don't find out about all of it, but uh, I, I don't know the numbers that you're citing, but every one of those ought to be a case that cannot proceed because the agents misbehaved. Yeah. And there's a lot, uh, it's, it's a sticky situation because like, even when you were saying they were claiming that though, they didn't know that was happening. That's a problem. Somebody needs to know where's the oversight committee, like mm -hmm. who is making the rules and who is regulating things. And, and we see what happens sometimes when you get into these entities, you become, you know, the good old boy, these are my people. I don't want to tell on nobody. These are my dogs. And you have a lot of people who are co-signing behaviors or know certain things are happening and kind of just letting it slide because they don't want to be the outside guy on the inside. They don't want to be the one that everybody's turning against and is, is the snitch, right? So it's getting to the root of that culture and making people mm -hmm. who, you know what they say, if you see something, say something. You know, a lot of this corruption wouldn't even happen. And, and thankfully, these stories are breaking, but there needs to be more of that if we ever want to see true reform, because I'm sure there's so much happening that we still don't even know about. I feel like yeah. something you said kind of early on, Jeff, that I, I want to go back to is, you know, when they come for Donald Trump, the people on the right get angry. And when they come for Hunter Biden, the people on the left or Hillary, the people on the left get angry. And, you know, when they come for the religious folks, you know, when versus when they come for January 6th versus when they come for the Black Lives Matter. And 
that to me is a huge problem because if I don't get upset as upset that the FBI is violating the civil rights of people who are protesting for things that I disagree with, then I lose the moral authority to be upset that the FBI is violating the civil rights of people who are protesting for things I do agree with. And I, you know, I don't know whether it's, we're just exhausted by everything, you know, all of the controversy, all of the time, all of the abuses. And so, you know, we don't know when to be worked up. Um, But genuinely a a, a love of, and I mean, I hate to sound like a, you know, ninth grade American government teacher, but we've got to love the rule of law and you've got to love it across the board. You've got to love it when it protects people who are, you know, arguing in favor of socialism in the streets, just like you've got a favorite when people are arguing on behalf of capitalism in the street, you've got to, you've got to favor that robust belief in civil rights and constitutional law for everybody. And when, and as a population, I don't, I don't see that manifesting very often. You hit the nail on the head. That is something that I've been very passionate about for a long time. It's like this whole parasocial relationships people have with all of these governments and organizations and politicians and all of it. It's so weird to me because you have to stand on your morals and values. What are those things that you are really claiming to cling so closely to? Because when it applies to your guy, it all of a sudden doesn't matter. And that's the big fundamental problem with the country that we're seeing right now is it's so many hypocrites lying around. Like we just mm. all just big, gigantic hypocrites. Yeah. We're all, you know, you point one finger, you got four pointing back. Like it's, it's just a lot of that happening. And it's like, nobody's being genuine anymore. And that's where we have to start separating ourselves from these figures that we've grown to love. Like if I found out tomorrow, first of all, I barely like Joe anyway. All right. But if I found out tomorrow that he did some crazy stuff, you're not going to see me on the Internet defending him because wrong is wrong and right is right. You know, the oversight committees, for example, I I think we all know that when the Democrats are leading the oversight committee, they go after certain targets. And when the Republicans are leading the oversight committee, they go after the exact opposite targets. That can't be right. That can't be good. You know, Bill Clinton's affair, you know, leading to an impeachment charge. Uh, Donald Trump gets convicted on a minor charge of old, but still, you know, sexual violation or whatever. And uh, he's fine. Like, you can't match these two worldviews up. You've got to hold some consistency across the board. Otherwise, all it is is just my side winning and your side is the enemy. I think that toxic hyperpartisanship is one of the most dangerous things that we're dealing with today. And I want to ask this, and I'll throw it to you, Ellis. I mean, what part do you think that the media plays with this? And the reason I'm asking is because if you're on the right, you probably have no idea about what I just talked about with the Intercept report about this guy, Mickey Windicker, trying to prod Black Lives Matter protesters into doing something illegal. You probably don't know about it because it's not going to get reported in conservative media. And the same thing happens vice versa. And here I, I will give the New York Times credit for this. They talked about both, but that's not normal. It doesn't seem normal to me. So how much how much do you think that the media, the, the bias of the media adds to this problem, Ellis? Well, we're a, big, we're a big part of it. That's that's for sure. Um, I, listen, I, we all agree. And I think most people agree this hyperpartisanship is terrible. I, I, I don't see any solution to it, honestly. And I'm, I'm a little bleak on this subject. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I spent 13 years of my career working on Fox and I was one of the uh, I would say handful of left leaning voices on the Fox News channel. Um, and, and I loved it. It was it was a great gig and they, they paid me well and treated me nice and never told me what to say. And, and now, you know, it was always 
me with, you know, four skinny blonde women yelling at me. Um, and the, the, the topic wasn't necessarily a, just to be clear, is that praise topic. or criticism? I'm not sure. Is that praise? Or criticism? <laughs> you know, I mean, you was know, that a complaint or, a, you, know? you know, you know, there's good and bad and all things in life. Right. But but the, the, the reason I, I mentioned that is not my nostalgia over some of my old friends, but is that there is hardly that role anymore in, in, in cable news. I mean, if you watch MSNBC, you, th- there is no really staunch right wing voices heard ever on that channel. And and if you listen to Fox, there are very few people in the Ellis role anymore. And, and the ones who are there are more or less there to lose or to or to or to attack their own side. And, and so there's there's no real give and take. And I just think the I think the silos are hardened. And, and I think there's a there is a sad psychological truth at the center of it. And it's this, that there is something pleasing to, to, to many people, maybe most people, about hearing things we agree with said more articulately than we are able to say them. And so hearing Rush Limbaugh express my deepest prejudices makes me feel good because it makes me think that a smart guy has just as dumb an idea as I do. And yet it's very discordant and disquieting to hear things we disagree with. So so, man, I share your 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 disgust at the present state of affairs, but I don't have a damn clue about what to do about it. I think where we went wrong is we started. Well, this is this is we just we're friends here chatting. But in general, in the main news, I feel like people have started putting too much opinion and personality into the news. And that's kind of a main problem. Like report the news as a fact when when news and journalism and all of that used to be held to a certain standard. Like I went to journalism school. There are rules. There's literally ways that you're supposed to talk about things. There's ways you're supposed to write like it was a very highly sought out um, career path back in the day. And its goal was to hold government accountable. Like it was considered like the fourth branch of government at a certain point in time, because that was the role of a journalist to be like, okay, the parties are saying this. I'm going to tell you the truth, decide for yourself. And there's nobody saying absolute truths anymore. There's people just saying things through their own personal lens Mm -hmm. or people just telling one side of the story without telling the other side of the story. And it's almost like, People don't trust their viewers to be able to handle the truth of knowledge. They think that they're going to get mad at them, which does happen. There are some people who become so pinpointed and isolated because their audience will abandon them if they do tell them that they something that they don't want to hear. So that's something that a lot of these main news network entities are, are worried about. They don't want to give you different perspectives because they don't want to lose their audience and thus lose their money. And so, you know, corporatism, all of it, it all comes together. It all causes us problems. And that's how we've gotten to this dynamic that we're in today, where it's just a bunch of people screaming their heads off at each other with completely opposing views instead of being like, you know what? I don't agree with you on that, but I hear you on that point. Good point. Or, you know what? I don't like that part too much, but you know what? That's a really good idea. Let's work together on this. There's not a lot of collaboration as a nation anymore. The parties ain't collaborating. And it's really putting us in a very nasty, hyperbolic state right now as a country. You know, one thing I'll say is I think I at least, I have an attitude that it's just supposed to be this way. You know, it's just supposed to be fair. It's just supposed to be reasonable. We're just supposed to listen. We're supposed to be civil. We're supposed to understand the other side. And if we discover something we didn't already know, we're kind of supposed to get excited about that because that means we get smarter tomorrow rather than being so eager to prove how smart we were yesterday, like all of those things. And then I kind of remind myself, but how did I get to that place? 
and how many people taught me to be that way and mm-hmm. how much work does it take to stay in that place? And I just think it's something we have to fight for. You know, Amani and Ellis and Jeff and Andrew and thousands at least, I hope, and millions, if not so, of other people have to be out there not just lamenting how bad it is, but actively demonstrating how it should be and listening to each other and squabbling in a fair way and having friends across the aisle. I mean, that's you perpetuate it by doing it, you know, and by showing other people that it can be done that way. Yeah, I like that. I, I mean, me too. I mean, and, and Ellis, I know you say that you, you don't know if there's an answer to this and I, I don't either, but I do suspect that there may be an answer in the advent of digital media. I mean, cable news is still going to be around, but I mean, especially with Fox's recent moves, it's going down and people are going more towards digital media, which is also still very toxic with this hyperpartisanship. But there are podcasts there are YouTube channels that do encourage the kind of conversations uh, that, that we want to hear. Here, where it's not just people just just blasting on each other. They're having substantive conversations like the one we're having right here on Newsweek's The Debate. There is a hung- I believe that there is a hunger for that. So in some ways, it may have to get worse before it gets better. But I do believe that these types of formats can be the light at the end of the tunnel. If you would like to be a part of the debate, email us. The debate at Newsweek.com. After being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. It's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The parting shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts.